Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your Critically Acclaimed, the podcast where it's your critically acclaimed. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Whitney Seibold has been transformed into an amorphous being that can only communicate through typing. What? What's that, Whitney? Oh, he says I'm the handsomest co-host ever. Thanks, Whitney. You're the best. Uh, this week on Critically Acclaimed... Your edition. Uh, we have the absolutely wonderful R. Clay Johnson, who invited us to do something a little different. Rather than give us a topic for a podcast or co-host a podcast with us, R. Clay Johnson asked us to be on his podcast. It's a really, really cool show. It is all about the 1990s series Ghost Writer. Nothing to do with the Nicolas Cage movies. That was my bad. It's called Rally FC, and it is on the Flying Cow podcast feed, so please check that out. There should be links in the description. Uh, Whitney Seibel and I were asked to talk about a four-part episode of this cult kids series called Ghost Writer, which is about a group of kids uh, at a public school in New York who have befriended a, a strange corporeal entity. Uh, that flies around. It can only speak through words, much like Whitney here. What's that, Whitney? He still thinks I'm handsome. Uh, but this is a really cool four-part episode, in large part because it not only is about computer hacking, 90s style, but it also features a very young Julia Stiles who gets to berate other kids for not having read Neuromancer yet. So this was a really, really cool thing to watch uh, for me and Whitney. It was a real, real pleasure to join R. Clay Johnson on this show. R. Clay has this show uh, on the Flying Cow podcast feed, but uh, he also asked us to include it on our feed. Uh, so that we can help get the signal out, and it is our pleasure. This was a real, real treat. We hope you enjoy the show. And, uh, yeah, if you want to uh, have your own episode of Critically Acclaimed, make sure you head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of Patreon tiers, uh, including tons of exclusive content. And, yeah, one of them allows you to sponsor your own show. So thank you to everybody once again. Very special thank you to R. Clay. Very special thank you to all of our other patrons. And uh, away we go. Welcome to Rally FC. That's right, Rally FC, the Ghost Rider podcast on the Flying Cow. My name is Clay Johnson. I am your host. And as I learned in this episode, I apparently have better typing skills than middle school hacker. But that is not going to get me through this episode alone. No, I have two very special guests with me here today uh, to help me with that. They are professional film critics as well as personal podcasting heroes of mine. Everyone, welcome William Bibiani and Whitney Seibold. Hi there. Hello, hey we are guys, here. Thank you guys yeah. so much for, for uh, uh, being here with me today to talk about No worries. Show, I, was, I was super excited to revisit the Ghost Rider movies with Nicolas Cage for you. <laughs> oh. And yeah, yeah a little, little different than you remember. Oh, I'm I, sure. I only rewatched the first one. I'm grievously unprepared. Oh no, the second one's a good one. You, you <laughs> fool! That are we the 80th person to <laughs> make that joke? Uh, I actually, I think only one other person has made that joke, and he was a uh, comic book guy. So 
And who's who's made reference to uh, to the Pierce Brosnan movie? No one's. Made uh, you know what? That comes up every time I search it on YouTube, but nobody has mentioned it. I didn't oh. know about it. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yeah, a little bit different, a little bit different than uh, what we're talking about today. Uh, So I I do have to ask you guys, it's a a question I ask all of my guests. So, William, Whitney, how much do you guys hate me for asking you to watch this show? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, we we have our own podcast dedicated to failed television series. Even if this had been bad, which it isn't, (laughs) we've seen just the the dregs of what television history has to offer we have very strong constitutions yeah this 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 didn't even phase me i actually had a pretty good time with a lot of this excuse me i have a bit of the hiccups i'm trying to get rid of them um but uh no i didn't really watch this show when it was on i was a little old for it so this is actually funnily enough the only clip of the show i had ever seen was from this four-part episode this episode (laughs) sure so uh, it was actually kind of kismet. I'm like, oh, it's uh, it's, it's it's the cool one, <laughs> the one I'm super excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there are a lot of things. I I will say. I mean, I I you know I grew up watching this show when it first came out, and um, I I think it's kind of funny you thought this was too old for you because we're about the same age. Um, but you know, I I've always kind of enjoyed things a little young for me i still watch disney movies so well so do i that's 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 either here nor there i just i don't know maybe i was when i was in the 90s i had kind of a stick up my butt and i was like i'm watching batman the animated series and gargoyles i don't need to watch these shows about learning and fun i need to watch children's programming no i just want to watch batman and gargoyles um yeah i I was in high school when this show debuted but i was still very occasionally uh I knew about it because I was thumbing through like episodes of Bill Nye, the Science Guy, and and Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, hosted by yeah. Greg Lee, who's in this episode. Who's so, in uh, this episode? Yeah, yeah. I, I figured you guys would recognize him. Yeah. So I was adjacent to it, but I never dove in with both feet. Yeah, sure. and it turns out I actually had a completely inaccurate idea in my head of what this show was. <laughs> I I don't know why I thought this, but in yeah. my head I thought this show was about a haunted typewriter. <laughs> oh. I thought I mean, it was like a bunch of kids hovering around a typewriter and the typewriter goes clickety clackety click on its own and then it sure. like helps them solve mysteries. I didn't realize yeah. it was like this weird this disembodied entity. Yeah, it gets yeah. in these weird he- heady sci-fi arenas. But yeah, no, it was this was I was completely unprepared for exactly what this was. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely a, an odd show especially to jump in in the middle but let's go ahead and let's talk about specifically about this episode that we have today today we are talking about the story arc who is max mouse and i mean it's it's pretty much what it says on the tin uh the at the beginning of the episode we are introduced to the concept that the school uh hurston middle school is being attacked by basically a computer hacker and throughout the the story they are doing more and more basically escalating their stunts to the point that starts uh endangering people's lives and the team spend the whole episode uh story just trying to figure out who it is 
so that they can uh, stop them. There were a lot more consequences uh, than I thought there would be. I thought this would be more yeah. white and frilly. And it right. actually, like, the very first thing in the episode is, like, someone hacks all the computers in the school and it says, what did it say? Like, Principal Kelly is dead? Is dead, yeah. Which is really kind of a lot for a mm, kid show yeah. to just suddenly pop in. And when you realize that, like, today, they do, a, a like, an impromptu uh, assembly and the principal shows up and they say, I'm not dead. Everything's fine. Someone hacked the computer. She has the most spectacular power suit. Yes, she does. <laughs> like, it's like big shoulder pads with a houndstooth pattern. Yeah. It looks really nice. It's cool. But like I, I was watching this and I was realizing they are laughing this off. That is tantamount to a threat. Yeah. That That mm -hmm. is actually like a real crime uh, that they would take incredibly seriously. Sure. And uh, so... Yeah, that got this off on a really uh, big roller coaster of a start, I thought. Hmm. Well, I, yeah. I think that the technology was so new that they were able to laugh it off. Like, imagine sure. if, um, like, you're, you're at a very small middle school and, a, like, a TikTok is going around and it says that the principal is dead, but you can't, find, uh -huh. you can't like, substantiate it anywhere else. <laughs> That's, that, would, that would be a prank. Not a threat. Yeah, but it has real life consequences, though. People actually believe it. If, yeah, well, um, you know, I mean, I mean, we've all heard about that. Uh, you know how like there's a whole generation of people now on TikTok who are believing this conspiracy theory that Helen Keller wasn't real. Yeah, oh, that the I, new I one? saw this on your Twitter today. Yeah, yeah, like how, like they believe that Helen Keller either was faking it or that oh, she God. was only partly disabled, and like some of her dis disabilities were like. And, it, you, and it's also, did you hear that the Titanic was a real event? And yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely absurd. But you realize that misinformation uh, is, look at what's going on in the world right now as we record this. Uh, misinformation yeah. is a very, very serious thing. And when you bring death into it, even hypothetical yeah. death, um, it's, uh, it's uh, a bit more than I thought we'd be, uh, we'd be getting. Yeah, in fact, um, just tonight, uh, just because of the, the world we live in, I was looking up uh, the origin of Poe's Law, uh, which is uh, a, a descriptor for the online phenomenon where you can no longer exaggerate an extreme point of view enough to where it get, becomes read as satire. Yeah. That satire yeah. and sarcasm cannot be read online unless you, you have to say it a lot more explicitly. And uh, yeah, you have to add eye roll emojis, and even then, <laughs> even then, it's easy yeah. to misinterpret mm -hmm. because, especially in social media, because people are um, they're only writing like a couple of sentences. Well, so yeah, there's no context. It's not like Twitter, it's not yeah. it's not like we're reading like an entire article and like we're only taking one sentence out of context. It's and a lot of people are basically publishing. Mm -hmm. That's what Twitter is. They're publishing. Yeah, but they're not being edited. They're not necessarily good or clear writers, so it leads to you know some real right. dangerous, uh, uh, real dangerous topics. Yeah, yeah, and you know, uh, I I joked on one of the earlier episodes. Ghostwriter tried to fix Twitter because there was an episode where one of the characters was really mad at someone and started mm. writing a very angry letter. And when they were done, Ghostwriter erased it and said, "Don't you feel better?" Now what do you really want to write? And it was just like, if only more of us would have Ghostwriter erase those horrible things. I'm telling you, man, the importance of an editor. Mm. The importance of yeah. an editor cannot be uh, underappreciated, I think. Yeah. Under, and, under, cannot and, be overstated. And go Ghostwriter is the ultimate editor. Yeah. Who's a, who's a famous editor? Who is Ghostwriter the ghost of? 
If Ghostwriter is an editor. Oh, um, I like to think it's like Dorothy Parker or something. Well, Dorothy Parker wasn't an editor. Well, I, I was literally just trying to think of who Dorothy Parker's editor was oh. <laughs> at the New York. Was it Herbert Ross? I want to say it was Herbert Ross. Herbert Ross. No huh? clue. <laughs> I might be confused. Herbert well, Ross might be the name of a director. Because, because of a director. Ghost Rider takes place in New York. It was filmed in New yeah, York. Yeah, in and, Brooklyn, uh, yeah. So and Dorothy Parker was one of the Algonquin crowd. So uh, sure. makes sense. Yeah. Your ghost is hanging around. Maybe it's local. <laughs> so helping these kids with mysteries. <laughs> so, yeah, like like we said, Max Mouse is uh, causing Ross. some... Harold Ross. Okay. That was the name I was thinking of, Harold Ross. Ghostwriter is Harold Ross. There you go. <laughs> first. All right. Well, you guys uh, already skipped ahead to one of uh, one of the segment segments, guessing who you thought Ghostwriter was. So uh, way to ruin the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, um, but yeah, so you know they're they're dealing with these threat that Max Mouse is uh, is bringing about. And we're introduced to some different characters that present themselves as suspects. And it's really funny. Uh, I was watching this earlier. There's actually a shot during the assembly where we see the three people who would become suspects all sitting together. I was Uh like, that's convenient. Yeah. Well, listen, you have the actors in the, uh, on, on the set. You're just going to throw them on there. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to get like a whole bunch of extras for for this. Right, right. I mean, you know, like one of them is like a kind of a returning villain. You has been the perpetrator only in one episode. And from then on, has just been a red herring. Um, I was very much reminded of of a pup named (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Sure. If you remember, there was an animated series, everyone listening, there was an animated series called a a pup named Scooby-Doo and uh, it was about all the Scooby-Doo gang when they were little kids and uh, there was a bully in their school named Red Herring and uh, Fred <laughs> thought it was always Red Herring. He was always mm-hmm. who Fred thought it was going to be and then there was one episode yeah, yeah. where it actually was Red Herring and it blew <gasps> Fred's mind. <laughs> <laughs> the episode yeah, that... of Alex where it actually was Lupus. Exactly. Uh, yeah. uh, I was I was reminded of uh, a show a segment on three two one contact wow. because uh because i'm oh, i'm wow. an ancient man uh <laughs> called the bloodhound gang which is where the band got their name hmm. and yeah it was about kid uh, kid detectives who were solving mysteries and uh i remember the bloodhound gang very well because at my elementary school during rainy days when you had to stay indoors they would crack out that 16 millimeter projector and they, they only had one episode of the bloodhound oh, gang God. It was, and it was about somebody was like unwittingly spreading pink eye among the population. Oh, and it turns out she was like preparing the salads at school. It was just. Oh, <laughs> oh geez. Pretty wild. Gross. Uh, but yeah, so our red herring character, that that's uh, that's Calvin Ferguson. He's been in other episodes. Honestly, when I was watching this, I was a little disappointed because uh, Calvin's not his his uh, usual self in this one usually he's very much the the uh um the over the top theatrical villain and he's mm-hmm. much more downplayed in this well one. we get to see him uh, at a funeral we get to see some heart yeah we we see quite quite a different side of calvin in this one his uh parrot attila died and he is um approaching uh lenny for the first time because we find out that apparently he has uh, a crush on lenny frazier um, which 
comes back a couple of times, but uh, here it's mostly just used to kind of creep us all out. In the in the canon of the show, I don't know how far it goes. If they do yeah. like Ghost Rider, the, the college years or anything, do they ever <laughs> do they ever get together or? No, no. I, honestly, I think with the exception of one other episode, um, a couple uh, episodes from from now, uh, this is one of his last appearances. Oh, he died. Uh, yes. Uh, Attila was a warning. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the red parrot in the coal mine. There you go. Yeah, yeah no, honestly, the way that they, like, from this episode to the next one, he, like, in the next episode, he actually helps them. So it looked like they were doing this slow transition to maybe him not necessarily joining the team, but being a little bit more friendly. A redemption uh, but, arc. Right. But, uh, yeah. you know, they never completed that. So, uh, yeah, that, that's Sad. as far as we got. Um, but we're also uh, introduced to one of our other suspects, um, which is Erica Dansby, played by Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles in what may be her greatest performance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I will say... Like I said, I've rewatched this a couple of times. And the first time I was like, oh, she's, you know, you can tell it's kind of early for her. I, I didn't think that much. But the more I watched it, the more I was like, she is doing really well with really clunky dialogue. She has got, uh, she's introduced, she's a, she's a big uh, computer um, hacker. She's a computer yeah. hacker. Yeah. And, and uh, she's also the editor of the school newspaper. And yeah. uh, when I think it's Lainey, um is like trying tina. to talk it's uh, tina sorry i'm bad with names no, uh when tina know. tries to confront her about uh you know hacker stuff she has this like it's like the opening uh remember oh, that I, one I, teaser from from, uh, from strange days yeah i am yeah. have you ever jacked in have you have you ever whatever it was have yeah. you ever wire tripped no i've actually Good. got that clip Ver a virgin brain, yeah. I, I actually texted some of it to you while I was watching the episode. When he was very impressed. Let's play yeah. the clip. Do you know anything about hackers? Can you jam with the console cowboys in cyberspace? What? Ever read Neuromancer? Huh? Ever experienced the new wave? Next wave? Dream wave? Or cyberpunk? I didn't think so. I'll handle the hacker stories. Yeah, I, I was with Tina there. I was completely lost. I was like, "Is that did, stuff real?" Did a did a preteen Julia Stiles just try to shame someone like again who is like eleven or something? They're, they're, some, they're thirteen. They're thirteen. Yeah. Did you just try to shame a thirteen year old for not having read Neuromancer yet? <laughs> like, wow. <Apparently>. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like that's the confidence, the swagger. Lynch is have you, have you heard of New Wave? Well, yeah, it's the nineties. It's you know, grunge replaced it. Uh, and then she has, have you heard of Next Wave? Mm. Have you heard of Cyberpunk? She's wearing the she's wearing one of those uh before they were really even in fashion, those big tall uh like raver ecstasy taking hats that yeah. you see at the they club. Look, they look like two bandanas fighting each other. Yeah, and she's got a, a, a nostril piercing, which is really yeah. edgy for junior high. I, I was about to say this, I always remember this episode as being the episode that made my mother threaten to not met, let me watch it anymore because a girl was wearing a nose ring. Oh my wow. God. Yeah. So edgy. That's too sexy. <laughs> this was, uh, this was, and I mentioned before that I had seen a clip. This was, 
was the clip this like this clip made the rounds a little while ago yeah, okay yeah, have that. you ever actually like seen this episode of Ghost Rider where julia styles was like this like hackers era hackers yeah hacker yeah i i, yeah, I knew that uh, the word hacker was really hip at the time they used it in jurassic park uh, the, the same year this, this series debuted and it always felt wrong like it was clearly being wielded by screenwriters who weren't really clear on the concept well but it's sort of thing where it's like i'm a hacker like Mm -hmm. you just that would be like i don't know what it would be like i'm a basketball player like i don't know i just play basketball what do you do (laughs) like it's about uh, it's about like claiming this not just claiming an identity claiming a hip now and wow very trendy identity yeah yeah Yeah. but it was usually said by people that you could tell they had no idea what they were talking about yeah yeah uh and in fact, the movie Hackers uh, from 95 was such, it, it was laughed out of theaters at the time. I remember yeah. a lot of people making fun of that movie. Take it uh, seriously. You watch it now, it's like, okay, the technology, it never looked that way. And I think the filmmaker did a really good job of making it look visually din- dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think they tried something really similar with Ghost Rider, where we get to see the ghost in cyberspace. Yeah. With this yeah. Uh, yeah. really... Uh, wonderful early 90s you know tv level cg yeah a a look i've always been kind of fond of just because it hit me at the right time (laughs) yeah uh because that's more interesting than watching somebody sit at a computer typing really slowly which they also do in this episode (laughs) yes yeah yeah this show is infamous for you know because it is educational it's all about reading and writing and things like that so anytime they do something like that they have to not only, you know, like you would do in a normal show, maybe say it or something like that, but they have to show it being written or typed out. And it's, yeah, mm, yeah. It, it gets a little, gets well, a a little annoying after a while. They're clearly, they're, I imagine the, the, uh, the filmmakers were a little frustrated at times because they're, they're clearly trying to tell an actual story, like an actual mystery with actual mm-hmm. like suspense and stakes. But then every once in a while, it's just like, hacker, I'm going to write that down. A, <laughs> mm-hmm. a, yeah, huge. No. <laughs> C. I found this yeah. piece of paper. It has alpha, <laughs> beta. What are the? What are these things? Look, I watched Star Trek. I knew what those things were when I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get all excited because it's got gum on it. Like, of course, the hacker probably chews gum, and I'm like, it's in a trash can. People could have just dropped gum yeah. in that trash can there's no that's oh, so circumstantial God. you ever see the film Cop Dog? <laughs> no I <haven't> seen <laughs> the film Cop, Dog. Um, Cop Dog uh is mystery about a dog that dies and becomes a dog ghost and doesn't help with the mystery Go but on. one of one of the plot points is they find like the villain's hideout and there's a lot of gum stuck on a tree so they have to peel the gum off of the tree and chew it and then compare the flavor to gum they bought at the store to find out what brand the villains bought and then check receipts to see who bought that brand it's so stupid did the flavor on that tree overnight i'm not sure if you've ever chewed gum you've peeled off of the bottom of a table but it keeps its flavor nice they're good it's good to know i don't have dysentery at all Oh, like I said, we have a third uh, suspect, which is uh, Janice Hall, who uh, her her biggest uh, character trait is that no one notices her. Like yep. literally, 
literally like the thing that's said about her all the time is oh janice i didn't know you were there there's <laughs> actually a scene where where she surprises lenny and lenny's like oh i didn't know you were there and instead of like saying hi to her or starting a conversation she just says bye and leaves the room <laughs> and i was like okay yeah sometimes our heroes are jerks that's um, good writing look they're 13 13 year olds are not known for their their social prowess their no, gentleness or their kindness <laughs> no i meant that it's one of the things i liked about um they didn't really do it in the movies but in the harry potter books um you know those kids are going through puberty and like books like four five and six they're jerks yeah they're just yeah. hormonal jerks oh, wow. I, i've i've often said that the the fifth one the alternate subtitle could just be the year harry was always angry because yeah, he and is always about to flip out on somebody in that book. and he's going through a lot but also he's going through puberty. puberty yeah i i was angry at so many things i had no reason to be angry 90 percent of the time i would just walk mm. home throw my book bag on the ground and my mom be like are you okay i'm fine <laughs> i wasn't yeah yeah P puberty hit me differently i was never mad i was never that <sighs> guy <laughs> I, I, was, I was an insufferable flirt that that's oh. that's how it hit me i was oh, yeah. I, I, I flirted with every single one of my classmates male and female <laughs> regardless of their age there you go how did you guys find the min the mystery i mean because i don't know i i found it fairly obvious i mean hmm. well there's for, only for a, a show that suspects. builds itself as a mystery show the, their yeah. mysteries often aren't very difficult well, again, it's a show for little kids, isn't it? It's yeah. they're, they're teaching you to Absolutely. read, so I don't think that they expect you to handle Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy labyrinthine plots. No, sure. Um, sure. But um, you know, they 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 in, uh, they incorporated a variety of uh, suspects. There were three. Yeah. One of whom was pretty obviously a red herring. Uh, the right. other two could have gone either way, really. Um, but. Um, yeah, it was it was fine. Um, I the part of the episode when I realized they were starting to really um, run out of material is when around like episode two, we just had to introduce out of nowhere a bullying subplot. Like, yeah, this yeah. hacker plot is not enough for a whole four part episode. We had to spend a sure. lot of time on some bullying in a park. Yeah, and it, I mean they they do that sometimes. I mean sometimes there will be a subplot like a different subplot per episode sometimes there will be one that like runs throughout the whole story sometimes they won't have one at all um yeah. but yeah uh the bullying subplot i i always feel weird when a show like this does a bullying subplot because often i don't feel that they're the way that they deal with it is very effective at least no. not in my experience no, there's this kid and he's just trying to play in a park and there's this other mean kid in the park and he's yeah. he's mean, he's intimidating and the guy's like talks to his I guess older brother. Uh he's he's his like mentor, like big brother okay. kind of thing. Big um, so friend. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. and the guy's just like, Yeah, what you gotta do is stand up for yourself. And I'm like, no, that's a really oversimplified, like adult response to bullying. Yeah. Because yeah. bullying isn't necessarily about path of least resistance bullying is in many respects uh, it's a very psychological thing where someone's trying to make themselves feel big and if they feel challenged they might just get more aggressive yeah. so i kept seeing this a lot i saw a lot of bullying like storylines and 
you know, PSAs or whatever, which in my experience just got me beat up more. Yeah. Like, like just, just ignore them never works. No, you know, they just, yeah. they just hit you in the back. It's uh, a challenge. It's, yeah. 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 Like they're, they're, yeah. the goal is to hurt someone and get a rise out of them. And if they make it harder, you know, the, they're, it's not about like, it's, if, if, uh, if it becomes more difficult, it just increases the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you're not getting over me. Like, I'm going to make your life a living hell. And so they did. They made my life a living hell. This was that weird period in the 1990s where they were first trying to address a lot of these more serious topics on television. This was uh, the uh, 70s after school specials leaking into mainstream entertainment. Yeah, right. A very special episode of Mr. Belvedere. Where they, they found a way to write some of those very special concepts from 70s TV movies just into uh, mainstream stories. Yeah. Uh, and they were always incredibly mawkish, uh, but at the time they were really going for something super progressive and educational. Mm. Uh, yes and, and I mean, no. Like, I mean, it depends. Like a lot of the time when they were trying, uh, try, they were trying to do a marijuana episode. Hmm. Um, a lot of that was basically just scare go- films, just stuff, government yeah. propaganda. Yeah. Like I found a joint in little billy's book and there would be a close-up of the joint and then the music would get really dour and then we cut to a commercial and you just have to think about what that kid did uh, and did they the, ever do a they never do a marijuana episode of ghost rider uh, they they did a uh, a drug episode it's actually coming up in a in a couple uh episodes and it, you know it starts with marijuana and then like three days later the kid who offers him the marijuana is on like the hardest drugs you can think of so wow like, yeah. yeah wow so yeah it i mean this show is a little inconsistent sometimes it handles these types of uh situations very well there was actually an episode where they talked about ptsd and they mm-hmm. did it in actually a really creative way because they presented it in three different perspectives. They uh, talked about it from a child's perspective, because those are our, our leads. Uh, and then they talked about it kind of like in the more medical perspective. And then they had the, the guy who was actually dealing with it talk about his experience with it. And, you know, they, they presented it in a way saying that this isn't something that can just be fixed this is something that's gonna he's gonna keep dealing with kind of thing and then you get something like bullying and they try to give like a a one-size-fits-all fix to it and it's like Mm -hmm. i stood up to him and he threw away my ball but other than that we're cool forever and this will never be an issue again and i'm like no 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 very naive i remember uh, it's so weird how like because kids media people forget this sometimes or don't even Mm -hmm. think about it it's not made by kids no it's made by adults and sometimes adults have their heart in the right place and sometimes their brain is somewhere else and i feel like sometimes adults forget what it's like to be a kid or maybe Mm. their child experiences were a bit more narrow and as a result when they try to tackle some issues like this that doesn't seem like it's coming from a very genuine place yeah, well, that, that's why there are so many stories about absentee fathers yeah. trying to make good because the people who are writing this aren't paying attention to their kids mm-hmm. and not yeah. really understanding their kid experiences. So they're writing these apologies in feature film form about Basically. being a bad dad. In many ways, though, Ghost Rider's heart is in the right place. Sure. Even, yeah. though, uh, even if the words aren't quite correct. It's not uh, evil. I just don't think it's like, very well handled. It, and yeah. it, it's also a big exemplar of how... Uh, you, 
in the 1990s, there was this big push for diversity in media. Hmm. And it was always, uh, it wasn't always handled the best. Hmm. You know, we, we were very quick to notice when it was an all white cast with one token minority character. Yep. And we started popularizing the term token to the point where South Park had a character named Token. Uh, and, uh, you know, you watch something like Captain Planet and the Planeteers, and that's like the, the most brazenly pandering version of, of looking to put diversity in your show. But something like Ghost Rider, which takes place in the real world in New York and has a very diverse yeah. main cast. Which a public school in New York would. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do, yeah. does it well. I mean, yeah. it, it might yeah. seem a little obvious from like a demographic perspective, but it, it seems like we're getting a lot of different representation yeah. in a show like yeah, Ghost that, Rider. That's, and that's something, something that I think they did pretty gracefully and i think they do a pretty good job of keeping the characters separate their voices are a little different their goals yeah, and ambitions yeah. are a little different um there's not one leader they're all sort of working yeah units. no i appreciate that i actually think it's an ensemble uh show regardless of you know because again it's a kid's show it's written like you know, if this were like a big netflix series people would say it's a little naive but yeah. uh, you know for what it is it's actually pretty graceful I think about how it handles its ensemble cast mm -hmm. and that's really cool actually yeah yeah, yeah the uh bullying uh side plot aside we do eventually find out that max mouse after they have done several different things they set a program where the uh the the alarms keep going off and yeah. uh they change kids grades and all this kind of kind of stuff you know it it builds um to the point eventually uh the alarm prank uh causes basically a fire wasn't attended to because they were the fire department was dealing with the false alarm a real crime yeah mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it, it escalates and so you know the the tension is building they're they're really making it very important for us to figure out who this person is uh so the team, so many vocabulary words yeah. We can all learn so many vocabulary words so fast or we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, so Max Mouse challenges basically anybody to go onto a, an online bulletin chat. Board. The bulletin yeah. board, yes. And there's a very funny scene where the kids look around to every bulletin board in the school and then eventually figure out that it's an online bulletin board because Max Mouse actually put like a little card saying, hey, it's online. Um, Another one of my favorite lines of dialogue comes when uh, one of the one of the kids is trying out some of this cyber lingo for the first time, yeah. and you can you can hear the quotation marks. And I actually wrote it down. If we uh, if we had a handle, we could chat with the hacker on yeah. the bulletin board. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Well, I also think, again, they're trying to teach us all of these like hacker words, you know, like yeah. it's computer terminology at a time when computers are becoming more common. I, I but it's also absurd. Yeah, it, It's absurd. Yeah. And I, I under also understand that a lot of this lingo was actually really common parlance already. Yeah. It's yeah, so, it, yeah. yeah, especially among 13 year olds who are watching this in the 90s, they, yeah. they might have been on, you know, Chat rudimentary chat rooms already yeah i was right. i mean you know there, there's a point at which they teach us what passwords are and i mean yeah. you know i can't remember where i was in 93 but that just seems so rudimentary to me uh, by that point everyone i know had seen war games 
Yeah. Well, and, and the word password extends beyond computer language. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah people have had passwords like, since, you know. They're making jokes about Swordfish, the password in Marx Brothers movies, for God's sake. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it, it's always so, like, charming to see early proto stories being told around things that we all take for granted now. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's laughable. This is pretty genuine, I think. It's, um, and I think Juliet Stiles really saves, really saves it. Like her intensity is just off the, off the charts. <laughs> she is working so hard with this. Like I said, it, the dialogue feels real clunky that she's been given, mm-hmm. but I, I think that she is, uh, working really hard to sell it. It's a it's a tough chunk of dialogue. Yeah. It is because all she's really doing is posturing and throwing out as many buzzwords as the screenwriters knew at the time. At no right. point am I convinced that the writers have actually read Neuromancer. Uh, maybe they did, but they yeah. never show their work. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah. But it's it's it. I I think it's it's a wee bit of a delight. Mm. Um, what I was more amused by is when they end up in the uh, in the bulletin board in the chat room, right? And Max Mouse reveals um, says they will uh, do some sort of cyber favor or reveal their identity if one of the other people in the chat room beats them at a game, right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, cool. What what, what sort of games were available at the time? Mm. And I was just like, word games, boggle. Basically, yeah. Boggle yeah. is one of them, and I'm like, yeah. like, and they didn't. Tic Tac Toe is another one. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching my my five year old playing like computer Tic Tac Toe, and he's figuring out pretty early on. He's five. Yeah, that Tic Tac Toe is just like an introduction to strategy. It's not an actual strategy game. No, no, it's it's like peekaboo. It's just teaching yeah. you the concept that when you don't see your dad's face, your dad's still there. Yeah, yeah. that's or what Tic Tac Toe is for gaming. Yeah. Or, or like yeah. a, a kid's joke books. Yeah. It's like those aren't really funny, but they're teaching kids how a joke is supposed to sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set up, These pay are, off. Yeah, these exactly. are these are thirteen year olds now. In elementary school, I wasn't going to elementary school in the 80s, and we did have computers uh, and playing stuff like Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, and yeah. we uh, we did get a little bit of a thrill from like drawing pictures on logo. So maybe there was a little bit of novelty in playing tic-tac-toe online, especially via a modem but uh, it's if i have a modem uh, and someone else has a modem our computers can talk to each other it's like a it's yep. like a phone for your computer yeah and they we, will we explain that, that to you episode. in every yeah. previously on yep. you know what i'm glad they did because these days computer technology has advanced so quickly so that much, yeah like kids don't even understand what modems are or like what the world was like when it was just being introduced to computers That's true. this is a, a helpful time capsule yeah. in a lot of ways we remember when we reviewed the tv show profit on cancel too soon and it was a 1990s thriller series and mm-hmm. uh they they kept saying things like oh i'll modem that to you that's right they oh, used modem as yeah. a verb on that show no one ever did that <laughs> that was never a thing i'll modem it over we we said email that's it yeah. that was, that's all we needed that sounded Done. futuristic enough it's the same number of syllables i don't understand they, why yeah and there was that brief trend where they put a lowercase e in front of everything before they gave up and started putting a lowercase i in front of everything. Good times. Now we don't have lowercase anything. 
Yeah. I feel cheated. How come it's not I Twitter? <laughs> Give it time. Yeah. Once once yeah, Apple buys Twitter, it'll go. Oh, there yeah. Uh, um. So uh. So they have to play. Uh. What happens is they need to do the old. Um. We're gonna trace the call, and if we find right. out like who is on the yeah. other end of Max, and they're Mouse's using Ghost Rider to trace. Yeah, and Ghost Rider is like flying through the internet, like in some kind of like cheap Tron kind of thing, and yeah. But it's the old. Uh, it's the old chestnut where we have to keep them on the line long enough to trace the call. Uh, which is a trope that used to be very real, but now is completely. I, it always drives me nuts when a movie does it now because yeah. they know, like one phone call, we know who who called you. Like we don't need to wait thirty <laughs> seconds to trace that call. But um, uh, in any case, so they have to try to pick the longest possible game. Right. So they don't pick tic tac toe because that's fast. Mm -hmm. They don't pick boggle, even though they don't call it boggle because it's kind of fast. Yeah. They don't pick a game called Speed Trap because it's got a word speed in the title, yeah. but nor do they ever tell us what Speed Trap is. And here's the thing. I'm watching this with my wife and partner, Michelle, and we're both like, wait a minute. It's called Speed Trap. That implies that you're not going that fast. Speed Trap might have actually been the preferable way to go. But in any case, they end up going with a game called Ghost, which makes no sense to me. No. Because the show's yeah. called Ghost Rider and they live with a ghost. No, 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 no. I, I, I get why it's called Ghost. I don't right. understand. The, the purpose of the game is you put down a letter and then your opponent puts down a letter and the first person to make a word right. loses. Right. right. At no point in the rules does it clarify that you need to like have letters that make sense together. Yeah. So why don't you just put a Q and next to a T? No, no, the rule was uh, somebody starts with a letter and as you build every successful thing you build has to be a word. Mm. That was the rule. That was not clearly articulated. So like the, one of them was B, the they started with the letter B, then they said B E. Yeah. Well, actually the moment that you form a word, you lose. So, yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're right. I don't really, there's nothing in the rules, that's, but I think the whole point is to get your opponent to make a word. So you have right. to be going towards uh, a word. You just can't make a word before. Right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing though. Their goal isn't to win the game. That doesn't matter. Their goal is to waste time. Right. So, max mouse. so really almost called a modest mouse nice <laughs> well max mouse is anything but modest um <laughs> but regardless like yeah if the whole point is to like stall for time then actually playing the game is a bad strategy so that's what i was thinking was like just stall for time just put random letters on there uh but alas no one listens to me when i watch Not television like they nope. <laughs> they, they, did. they wrote beautiful yeah but um yeah so they 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 play the game long enough that ghost rider has enough time to find out who it is and who is it janice ah uh, janice nobody First, knew who she was calvin. did you actually think it was calvin he's such an obvious red herring <laughs> well see i thought it was a double bluff i, th I thought oh. they you know they were like who did you think red parrot was view, you know yeah it's a very clever it's and, very and, knives out of them yeah yeah, yeah. and, and I, I didn't uh i'm not like so intimately familiar with the show that i knew calvin was this recurring suspect right, right, otherwise yeah, i would have sure. ruled him out but yeah the, the whole like him uh getting very emotional and writing this long poem for his deceased parrot it's like yes. okay 
he's like obfuscating something. This like we're learning something subtle about his character here. Like maybe he killed later. the parrot in order to like Ooh. sacrifice it to the hacker gods and get some sweet hacker skills. Out or or, or to appear like he never had a parrot and he pretended one died so he could like garner sympathy from the Ghost Rider team. <laughs> That's dark, but I like so, it. So, yeah, for a second, I did think it was Calvin, but then, you know, he, he became not obvious pretty fast. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, you know, when when they reveal that it is Janice, you know, they're, they're surprised that she, you know, felt unseen. And I was like, you literally always say, oh, I didn't see you there. It's like, of, yeah. of course she feels unseen. You literally Maybe you're the problem, Ghost Rider kids. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I saw a portion of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. once. I didn't see the whole thing, but I knew the twist was uh, the high school was being stalked by an invisible student, and it turns out they turned invisible because they were a wallflower. Yeah, like they literally uh, because, became invisible yeah, because, because they were metaphorically invisible. There, there's like magic in this town, and they were ignored so long that they literally turned invisible. And then the twist at the end is they were recruited by the CIA. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> that was cute. Never followed up on that. I, I don't been fun. need to, but it would have been fun. Whatever. Introduce an element, play it back mm-hmm. later. They they introduced <laughs> so many elements back into that show that no one gave a shit about. Why not bring back the invisible assassins? So yeah, it was it was Janice the invisible girl this whole time. And yeah. I she wanted to finally be seen. Yes. And uh that is actually kind of topical. Yeah. Uh, about sort of the students who aren't seen acting out and doing violence at their school. That's something that we'd see time and time again just a few years after this and before we just wasn't talked about that's true and and these things were happening before um but uh that they're getting uh all of their charge from essentially living life and getting a new philosophy from online life was uh well i couldn't help but think of like you know incidents like the columbine massacre right about uh, these people who are going online and finding you know a new enclave new enclaves without any oversight mm-hmm. and developing these dangerous thoughts and being granted the means to do this harm well we're seeing and we're seeing that again to this day with mm-hmm. things like QAnon and such and that's um you know it, it is it's actually like reasonably well thought out in mm-hmm. terms of motive in terms of actually addressing what online um mm-hmm. sort of life uh, would be for young people as they try to find because that's the thing in a positive way as well uh, the internet has allowed people to find communities and spaces you know mm-hmm. they're allowed to uh, organize realize that they're not alone even if there aren't a lot of people in their town community mm-hmm. school who they feel are like them and that all of that is really really great and it's a shame that uh, Max Mouse wasn't able to like, because apparently there's a small hacker community at Zora Neale Hurston School. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that, um, oh, what's the name of that kid? Calvin. There's Calvin, yeah, there's Calvin Julia Stiles. And Erica, yeah. They should be hanging out at lunch. They have yeah. similar interests. No, no, like, it's, it's just online. It's You, you, can't, oh, yeah. you can't meet in person. What? Didn't you ever see You've Got Mail? Get meet in person. <laughs> See, I, I was gonna say that the the idea of only being seen online is also expressed by Erica. There is a scene, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. But uh, when she is talking, you know, about the hacker stuff, she is taught. She uh, goes to the computer and she kind of caresses the computer for a second. But she talks mm-hmm. about the fact that online, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter 
you know, about any of those things. You can kind of be yourself. And so, you know, she is also expressing these ideas. So, yeah, I'm like, her and Janice... It's a utopian idea of how the internet would work, but it is, yeah, it is a nice thought. Well, and that's what people were saying at the time, yeah. that this this is what the internet is going to avail us. And when uh, these sort of, like, scare tactic stories about using computers and using them for mischief and mayhem, yeah. uh, they were seen as hopelessly naive because at the time, a lot of people were using computers to find positive communities, but more than anything, just to flirt and dick around mm -hmm. uh it, it wasn't seen as something really wholly dangerous yet except for like mm -hmm. maybe the fringe groups yeah the and, was, yeah it's still very much in this nascency yeah. and yet all of these and so yeah at the time we dismissed these kinds of scare stories like no technology is moving forward let's just sort of adapt as we go and yet from 2020 it all seems like these warnings were warranted yeah, <laughs> yeah. we should have listened why didn't we listen? Why, why didn't we listen to kids shows from the nineties? Ghost Rider, they you had tried to all warn that us. Information. Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. so much. <laughs> Ghost Rider. Ian softly just knew what he was talking about when he made that hackers movie. Yeah. Well, I mean that that really is the uh, the episode. Uh, is was there anything specific that you guys noticed that you do want to talk about in the? Well, something that, something that I didn't notice actually because. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know how often the Ghost Rider mysteries or storylines involve actual crimes, but this is a crime. Someone is, yeah. uh, you know, putting uh, false alarms at uh, at a school. A kid is arrested. We a didn't kid, talk about that. A yet. kid is yeah. arrested. A kid is. Uh, other kids are yeah. being told they're being investigated by like the FBI. Mm -hmm. Like this is actually like an actual like. And one kid is like uh, framed for changing their grades. You know, like this is actual, like actual crimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry we didn't mention it, but uh, before they compete with Max Mouse, basically she gives each of them kind of a punishment if they lose. Mm -hmm. She threatens to uh, basically smear Jamal's name and mm -hmm. basically frame Lenny for her crimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I'm watching this and I'm seeing how the Ghost Rider team is like, I'm going to learn three vocabulary words this week and next week I'll learn three more. Yeah. And we'll check out this bulletin board and we'll try playing this hacker game. <laughs> and I'm like, what are the actual police doing? Now, granted, I don't expect the police are doing all that much, but we do find out that there are they are interested in this. Police actually do arrest someone. Yeah. Is there anything that the adults are doing to actually find out who is responsible for this no because this is a kids show we have to communicate to the kids that they can't handle this sort of thing on their own right that no they're, it's they're, fine. they're in charge of the world and and that's that's a great thing to give to yeah. kids they can yeah. actually you know they're being taught that they, they have the wherewithal to take care of this stuff. No, I'm yeah. totally down with the kids rule, adults drool brand of mm. storytelling. <laughs> that's that's fine. I, I don't mind it at all but on some level, the storyline can cross a line and make yeah. me start wondering, yeah. like, again, if this was not so much criminality involved, it wouldn't have occurred to me. Right. But because there is a lot of criminality, because we do know that the police are actually interested in investigating this on some level. I don't know. I always had this fantasy of, like, a bunch of, like, teen slews, you know, work their butt off trying to, like, investigate the mystery of old man Withersby's junk shed or whatever. And they like go through this huge adventure and then they go to the cops with all their evidence and the cops. And, and again, I, this is putting a lot of faith in cops that I don't have, but 
just once i'd like someone to go to the cops with all their evidence and the cops say yeah we we figured that out mm-hmm. we're detectives did, did it's our ever, job did, did we ever, uh, we did this already we did yeah. a lot faster because we don't have like school to go to did you ever yeah. see the movie mystery team no i hear it's okay, good though yeah, it's uh with uh john glover uh, part of the uh donald glover uh, or donald glover excuse me uh yeah. of the uh the troopiest part of it's called derrick comedy and uh it, the premise of mystery team was it, it was about teens sl- or kids sleuths kind of like in ghost rider sure who would help with like little mysteries around the neighborhood. It's like, oh, we found who stole the cat. It was always pretty innocent stuff. The premise though, is that they've grown into young adulthood and they still like have a little lemonade stand out front and we're gonna solve neighborhood mysteries. That's all they know. And then a little girl says, I have a mystery for you. It says, okay, what do you wanna do? And she says, can you help? Can you find who killed my parents? <laughs> and, and these like, these young young men who are you know completely unused to the adult world now have to like start going to like drug dens and stuff looking for murderers it's it's not a a great great, it's not a great movie but it's a great premise fantastic premise yeah Yeah. and that's the sort of thing i think about sometimes when i watch this so yeah so i'm 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 looking at ghost writer and i'm thinking you know this is like their peak these kids Hmm. they uh they're solving you think mysteries. it's all downhill from here. Like exactly. when they're in they're, college, they're just going to be total burnout. They're solving mysteries with a ghost that yeah. they can never tell anybody about. At some point, will the ghost leave them? Like, are, are they going to be mis- solving mysteries when they're in their 50s? Yeah, it's going to be like the Ted. Ghost? The ghost won't go anywhere and yeah. it's going to be real annoying. I, I, real I mean, I, I will say that we, we've only seen one adult be able to see Ghost Rider. And she hmm. only saw him as as it was only because she saw him as a child. So I don't know if they'll grow out of it or what. So Ghost Rider's been around for a long ass time. Yeah, I, I'm upset that it wasn't yeah. Greg Lee. Yeah, what? I, I was upset that it wasn't Greg Lee. Is like he he was a comedian and an actor before yeah. he was a game show host, yeah. and he even gets to do a bit at the beginning. Hmm. Oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or he gets up in front of a a. a a podium and says okay we don't want any computer discs and he holds up a cd oh wait yeah. that's yeah. not a computer disc yes it is that's that <laughs> yeah. made me laugh yeah. so hard <laughs> that made me laugh so hard that was amazing so and yeah, then he holds up a this... floppy disc instead yeah, like but... that's a real desk and i'm like okay but you know he's, he's like such a gregarious approachable guy like hey kids let's rap and uh <laughs> but i i sworn that he was going to get involved with the actual ghost at some point yeah he, he really uh, doesn't maybe do he's whole, the yeah. ghost and it's uh he's like it's like tenet and he's moving backwards in time so <laughs> no, when he dies in like the final episode of the show it just sort of starts moving backwards no, he, he's a lost soul like he doesn't have a soul anymore he's just an empty hollow shell of a man Got and it. the ghost is now operating independently of him i love it oh and uh, i recognized another actor too um yeah. uh the the father character oh yeah um, oh um i had to look uh, him up he's an actor Lenny's named richard dad? cox yeah. yeah richard cox played Ma- richard Max cox I, I i recognized him because he was the killer in the movie cruising oh uh, so oh, wow. that was a weird connection it's like yes. i'm watching this spoilers for cruising this, this kid's show <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait that's the guy from cruising yeah so there you go a, a film that every kid should watch he said sarcastically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as we've mentioned several times before, uh, this show takes place in the '90s, and the '90s was an interesting, uh, yeah, was an interesting time for fashion. Uh, so, this is a little segment I like to call Ghost Rider Fashion. And as always, uh, you can follow along 
uh, on the Instagram page at uh, the Flying Cow Pod um, on Instagram. So I originally started this because uh, the character Lenny was always wearing these very interesting hats. So originally it was just about talking about her hats, but she started wearing less hats. So then we moved it into the the fashion. But in honor of that, uh, I always start with Lenny's hats. Uh, she's got a couple here. Uh, she is wearing her, in this first photo, uh, her typical, um, kind of become her signature hat, the koofy. It looks like a footstool on her head. Yeah. It, it looks like... <laughs> It's like one of my grandmother's trivets. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it's, it's a, quite a pattern there. And then you know she's wearing a, a, a decorated vest of some kind as well. Uh, hats and vests are really kind of it looks like thing. she won a lot of medals for ghostwriting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. She's highly decorated. Yeah. Don't, don't don't give her like a, a sudden very hard hug because you'll just impale her. Ah. <laughs> Very well could. All right, let's take a look at the next one. All right, so this one, like her outfit to me looks pretty normal. She's just wearing like a flower print dress, but that hat, it's a very bright red hat and it's very attention uh, getting and it doesn't really kind of mesh with the rest of the outfit to me. She probably um, bought it at a secondhand store. Oh, oh I'm sure she does a lot of that's Prince reference. Uh, you said that she's just sort of wearing a normal looking floral print dress, but keep in mind, uh, it only looks normal because that kind of dress is back in fashion now. True. Like Lisa Loeb's look of the floral print dress and the docks and the big chunky glasses, mm -hmm. that was in in the 90s and then was out in the 2000s and it came yeah. back now. Uh, there was a time when uh, women's clothing got really kind of uh, tight and restrictive yeah uh like starting in the late 90s and wearing like a big flowery dress like that was considered really really gauche yeah, these are then, very roomy clothes yeah, actually yeah. everyone in the cast oh yeah pretty much yeah, yeah very loose fitting shirts this part of me the, wanted the baggy, to just be like the baggy era part of me wanted to just yell at them like tuck in your shirt you heathens <laughs> yeah but the one that never got me is the the boys who wear shirts that are so large and roomy the sleeves like almost droop past your fingers yeah so yeah, like, that's like in reference to this next photo. There, oh, nice. there is a shot. There's a, a far back shot where he's got his his arms down, and you cannot see his hands. This is Alex <laughs> in yep. in this huge green shirt. I mean, the shirt's bad enough, but then that vest. I mean, this is not a great photo, but that vest looks like it's made of plastic in this photo. That is that is a like dirt green, long sleeve shirt. And a very gr a grungy purple vest, yeah, and that, that, that's that's a Deep Space Nine costume. Yeah, that's like you yeah. know the, the people in Starfleet uniforms would beam down and encounter like a tribe of people on a yeah. on a, a a primitive planet, and they'd be wearing something like that. But but also, if you notice, and I I didn't notice it at first, but the collar on this is not from the shirt; it's from the vest. <laughs> it's a collared vest wow it's so yeah. weird well the 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 thing in the 80s was to wear like a collared jacket but then rip the sleeves off sure oh I yeah think, i think yeah. i think michael jackson popularized that and yeah. uh and so yeah maybe this is just some sort of sad distant echo of of that look yeah 
But but also the thing about the vest is as big as that shirt is, that vest is actually bigger. Because if you can see, the the sleeves of the vest are hanging off the rest of it. And in that side profile, the armhole was like down to the middle of his shirt. Like it was huge. You know, you, you haven't taken in, into consideration the possibility that he might be shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> That that actually is a very good explanation. I like that. Yeah. All right, let's take a look. Okay, so this is just a shot. I I had to show a shot of uh, <laughs> Ghost Rider in cyberspace. That that wonderful nineties graphics we were talking about. Hmm. I love that Ghost Rider looks like a Wi Fi logo. Like yeah. before <laughs> Wi Fi had a logo, but like you can see it on my computer right here and. Yeah, that's a Wi-Fi logo. So one of my theories early on, because I knew you wanted to talk about it, was that maybe Ghost Rider was like the internet. Like it was like the ghost of communication itself. He seems to really enjoy the internet in this episode. Flying through Yeah, it's really big. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's very freeing for Ghost Rider. He doesn't have to just keep trying to make words off of whatever, you know, billboards or whatever he can find. There's There's an interesting premise they introduce here, and I don't know if it's in other things, where they make... Uh, little nests for Ghost Rider, uh, where they like cut out like words that like are either calming or soothing or powerful or confident, and it's a place for Ghost Rider to live amongst like words. Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting sort of exploration of, and I'm hesitant to call it a mythos, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Gabby does that uh, in the episode, and this is the only episode I can remember them doing that. But yeah, you know, when they first introduced the concept of Ghost Rider, like in the first episode, they made it seem like his identity was going to be this big mystery that we're going to constantly be trying to solve, and they really kind of dropped that pretty quick. I mean, they would still drop hints here and there as to like his character and things like that but they weren't really as focused on that as they were you know the kids and the mysteries and stuff like and the education Mm -hmm. um but they still you know there was a while there where they were really just using him as a tool and starting in the second ep- the second season, they really tried to give him more character traits and more, like you said, like kind of a, a mythos of, you know, how he's feeling and things like that. And honestly, Gabby is the one character that always leads that charge. She's she has uh, hugged Ghost Rider three times uh, in various forms, uh, and she's always the first one. Because at the beginning of the episode, he gets kicked out of the internet, and she's the one that's like, I want to make sure he's okay. None of the other kids thought to do that. So, yeah. They're jerks, yeah. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, we haven't talked a lot about it, but it's kind of a joke. That's not good enough, Alex. Uh, I mean, Alex is uh, usually the one leading that charge. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's really the, the whole rest of the team. But, uh, yeah, let's... So, but- before you move past the picture, yeah. there's a little bit of binary on screen. It's just to, you know, oh, yes. it's computer language. Uh, I, I just ran that through a binary translator. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And uh, that is either the number five okay. or a, a, a left-leaning um, accent, left, left-leaning accent mark, a grave accent mark. Oh, yeah, okay. interesting. Okay. Nice. All right. Here, okay. Well, here, I've just got a collection of photos <laughs> of uh, 
um, Julia Stiles look as Erica uh, in her very uh, 90s skater looking gear. Mm. Which, look, it's a cool look. Can we yeah, all agree on that? Uh, yeah, and, say, and, and she, she pulls it best. off. It's just, it's, it's very, they haven't presented a character with that look, so it definitely stands out uh, in the rest yeah. of the show. But it doesn't feel like a, a total poser kind of thing where no, they're just trying to come up with a look. It feels like she's actually pulling off that look. Yeah, it, and if it looks a little awkward, we can chalk it up to the facts that, you know, these characters are all 13 and yeah. they don't really know how to, they're just figuring out how to be hip. Right. Yeah, they're trying to figure out how to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you take big swings when you're young and you try yeah, yeah. fashion choices or hairstyles or whatever that you know, you think you're going to be really awesome and say a lot about you and then maybe you come to regret them or you've nuanced them over time. Um, but uh, yeah, again, this is a character who has actually like forged her own identity yeah. in a school where mostly the kids are just kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, it's it, I take these kids over something like in Saved by the Bell where nobody has any person, like each one of them has one personality trait. Yeah, they're very shrill. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Let's take a look. Okay, so I had to click because it's such a cheesy kids show 90 shot. Uh, we, we didn't talk about the fact that uh, Hector, in addition to his bully subplot, also has a subplot plot where he learns how to use the library, um, which is really funny because the person helping him is Gabby, who literally did the same thing two episodes before. Uh, With the same character. Uh, I, I, Gabby, this is actually only the second story Hector has been in. Um, ah, so, okay. So, and Hector has always been one of those characters. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting situation because the character is supposed to be the youngest character on the show, even though the actor is actually the same age as the rest of the older cast. So hmm. just because he's smaller, he's playing younger. But because of that, I think they pitch him lower, younger than he really comes across. Like in the last episode, he was saying things like, I like trucks. And it's like, okay, are you eight or five? Not really sure. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. understood. Um, I liked when he uh, applies to get his library card and they're like, all we need is some sort of proof of your address. And they just said anything where your address is written down on it is fine. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not really good evidence. <laughs> He's like, I have it on an envelope. And I'm like, you can have anything on an envelope. Like every envelope has an address on it. You just throw anyone's, you just lie. True. Mm. Yeah. And that's how all this library fraud happened. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're really worried about that in the 90s. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- this shot just made me laugh. So I had to, and I think I think that is it for right now. Um, so now we are ready to move into our top suspect. Uh, and this is, uh, the part of the show where basically, uh, it is, uh, anybody on the show that just was your, your favorite. It can be a lead. It can be a a side character, an extra. It can even be Ghost Rider if you want. So, uh, who was you guys' uh, top suspect? Julia Stiles. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like i'm sorry julia styles gets to like gets to berate a child for not reading neuromancer yet <laughs> that's that's enough sure. that's enough for me she's so convinced 
of her cyberpunk cred mm -hmm. that it's just absolutely hilarious, but it's still kind of genuine. Like I knew people who in school had like just learned of a thing a week ago and are now like very haughty about it and are just trying to tell everybody like, oh yeah. <laughs> you heard of this band Led Zeppelin? Yeah. Man, Led Zeppelin, you don't know real music, yeah. man. Yeah. I just discovered this band, they're brand new. Yeah. <laughs> talking like an authority she's got, that yeah. she's got that energy though and i really really liked her a lot and um yeah and i think it's a welcome everyone else has such a goody two shoes kind of vibe that yeah. to have someone who's at least trying to be kind of badass <laughs> and almost get away with it is mm -hmm. very special to me so yeah it's got to be julie styles i've always appreciated a good show though where they don't rely on cool because yeah. you know we we all grew up in the 90s and that's when they were really trying all to sell cool as like the yeah. central ethos of everything mm -hmm. and uh this is a show i mean this this is a show at least in my market ran on public television yeah. it was meant to be kind yeah, of educational PBS. which meant cool was not part of it and uh, no but it was very distinctly uncool yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but i always appreciated things that tried to get a lot of mileage out of being completely uncool because that's the stuff i liked yeah. uh, you know, i was busy over here watching you know kids game shows about geography and getting a big thrill out of the acapella theme song it's like, oh, oh, I'm yeah cool. I'm, I'm not i'm, I'm not daring enough to go to like punk shows i wouldn't be for like at least another four or five years yeah oh i i can't tell you how many times i've randomly said do it rockapella and nobody else gets it <laughs> and you hear barry carl Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yes i know the names of the members of rockapella there you go uh so is the uh, um t same top suspect for you whitney or do you have a different one well like like i said the I thought they were really trying to to bluff me. So it was it seemed almost obvious to me that it was going to be Julia Stiles. Okay. And so I th and they were putting so much like fake looking groundwork in front of Calvin that I thought they were going to pull a fast one on us and have it actually be Calvin. Right. Now if if I had known Calvin was a recurring character, then I would not have thought that sure. at all. But uh, I, I'm not familiar enough with the show to to have picked up on that. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for me, it was also, uh, it was Julia Stiles' Erica. I just, you know, like I said, I just feel like she's working so hard to make this character work. And I think she's, she's fun. Um, but yeah, all right. So then the next is uh, the r r r rewind moment. Uh, this is the moment in the show. Uh, and this is actually, this uh, episode was the birth of the phrase rewind. Don't, oh really yeah the way they said it i thought it was like a thing they said every single week well like i i think Rewind. it was actually i i think it was introduced by the guy that does the the recaps before but this is the first time that uh, they introduced it like in the show proper um oh, and so from, it's all meta. from here on it will be rewind and it's like Okay, that's nice. a thing now. All right. I'm honored that we get to do this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we get to be part of history. So, the watershed moment. Yeah. yeah. So this is the moment in the episode that was either your favorite or just the moment that made you go, what was that? So uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I, I, I admit a weakness. Like I actually felt a little bit of tension when the ghost was surfing the web. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because it was like the end of Lawnmower Man, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I got, a, got a good Lawnmower Man vibe off of it. There was a sure. scene in one of the uh, 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 Jack Ryan movies 
where somebody was like trying to upload something onto a disc and uh, and somebody else was like figuring out where they were on a different computer and all of this was very novel because it was about the same time this movie this tv series was running and uh and the filmmakers really managed to like squeeze tension over the fact that it's just two guys sitting in front of computers mm -hmm. and i i felt the same way about sort of the ghosts that we got to yeah you very rightfully said it yeah it looks like the center of the prodigy logo or something uh sort of surfing through and applying passwords and getting yeah. through this big cyber tunnel i thought that was a just a, a fun fun visual dynamic to have in this otherwise pretty stead show about kids solving mysteries at a junior high school sure. hmm. um i guess if i'm being 100 honest it's just julia styles's neuromancer monologue but that feels like a cheat <laughs> since i already did it yeah. so uh i'm going to uh, I, I actually did kind of like the training sequence uh towards the end of the episode where they know that they're going to play max mouse at this game ghost, uh, ghost in yeah. like a day or two and they are all training on this game to get good at i'm a sucker for a good training montage yeah it felt like i was watching like a heist film where like we gotta like can we do this hairpin turn in less than <laughs> 0.2 seconds or something? Yeah. And if we can finally do it, then huzzah, maybe we like, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it works. Sure. So I was fine with it. Well, and, and I dug it. And in that scene, Tina actually beats Ghost Rider. So, I mean, mm -hmm. what does that mean if you beat a word being at a word game? That's like, gotta be a transcendent moment. Oh right? my God, maybe she's the real Ghost Rider. It's like remember in the remember in the original Matrix when they told uh, Neo that he wasn't the one, and then uh, towards the end of the film when he's fighting off a bunch of dudes, uh, and uh, Carrie Ann Moss whips out a gun and says "Dodge this" and then kills one of the agents. I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, she's the one! Oh, what a cool twist!" And then it turns out no, he's the one, and it was just not very well articulated mm -hmm. plot point so like maybe like maybe maybe it means tina's the real ghost rider here <laughs> the ghost rider is the friends we met along the way no it's not <laughs> all right so uh my moment uh and honestly this goes right back into our our fashion segment because in we mentioned the uh the scene where they're running around the school looking for bullets the bulletin board that they're supposed to meet max mouse on and during that little scene where they're running around lenny uh walks up to one and she just randomly sees this picture and says "Ooh, i love that hat and i was just like that is so on brand for lenny that's just so <laughs> so right on the nose for her that's the kind of thing I wouldn't have noticed because we've only seen this episode. Right, that's yeah. cute. Right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the last couple of things we've already been talking a little bit about what you guys think Ghost Rider might be, but my question is: if Ghost Rider were real and he wrote to you, would you write back? And if so, what would you say? How is he contacting me? Is he like? sending me like unsolicited messages on Twitter or Instagram or how is he doing? Uh, I mean, you know, normally he would um, like write words to people. Like, I mean, you know, this was obviously before, I think the first time he appeared to Jamal, it was on a computer screen, but some mm -hmm. people, it was just like random notes, sometimes on paper, sometimes in the air. So it really depends 
See, I would assume that I had lost my mind. Yeah, sure. These words floating. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always scared. I'm just gonna like just take that last step, and I'm just gonna start, you know, seeing things that aren't there. Well, what, so, what if Ghost Rider appeared to you and I simultaneously, and we both saw it? Well, yeah, but we're on the same wavelength, though. We were gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna lose our of, grip on reality. We going, do it at the same time. One of us yeah. is going mad. We're both going mad. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, but we could go mad together. And yeah. Just start. Fun. You know, if okay. if if I recognize this as like something kind of fanciful and I was invited to solve minor mysteries, mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. just, I would say, I would go for it. Absolutely. Just say, oh, oh no, like one of your neighbors is missing you know, a, a package, somebody stealing mail from the building. And oh. it's like, which is actually a problem in this neighborhood. It is uh, actually, it sucks, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, get yeah, on that, solve that. What are you doing? Yeah, if, if, if like a, a, a mystical voice said something very important is happening, figure out this mystery of who's stealing these packages. It'll be like, yeah, sure, give me a shot of gin and I'll be right on it. I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of work. Don't you have any plucky kids to, to bother with this? They're so motivated. Like, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, I'm there so probably is a reason that he appeared to children because uh, a little easier a little to believe. And... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's that's a very common trope in fantasy fiction that children are more uh, willing to accept mm -hmm. the strange and unusual. Oh God, wouldn't you love to see like a, a, a historical fiction about like Elliot Ness? He's tracking down <laughs> the Untouchables, like he's doing some really legit investigation, and then this like fanciful ghost appears to him one night and says the neighbor's cat is missing and he gets completely <laughs> sidetracked looking for the neighbor's cat I love and it. he gets involved in this fanciful kid mystery love it let's do it perfect yeah okay. writes all itself right. just a radio script idea all right okay <laughs> nice. uh all right so like i said the uh the identity of ghostwriter was meant to be like a running thing they did come up with an identity, but they were never actually able to um, work it in. Uh, you know, the, the show was actually canceled in the middle of the third season, uh, and it was never revealed. However, they did eventually uh, have an interview in which the identity of Ghost Rider was revealed. Would you guys like to hear it? I would very much like to hear it. Yes, thank right. you. So... Ghost Rider producer and writer Kermit Fraser revealed in a 2010 interview that Ghost Rider was. Oh my God! So wow, I don't know about that. So, I mean, so it's a sequel to a Tarantino movie. This is it's um that's that's a that's a big old can of worms. Like we're just learning about hacker stuff. Let me tell you what Ghost Rider is really about. They're like, ah, oh, this isn't really fun anymore. It's actually just dark and, and disturbing, and makes me think about how messed up the world is. Mm. Um, funny enough, it reminds me of the Hundred Lives of Blackjack Savage. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank you for inviting us to uh, to explore this thing that we both were only tangentially even aware of, really. Yeah. Yeah. Lurking around, give me a chance to taste something that I, I had left behind so long ago. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, and I want to thank you guys so much for for being on here. Uh, and real quick, I just uh, first want to go ahead and uh, give our listeners the opportunity to uh, get in contact with the podcast if they want to. Uh, I am the Flying Cowpod on everything: uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, the Flying Cowpod at gmail.com is my email 
Um, and feel free to reach out if you have any thoughts or opinions or anything you want to say. Uh, let me know. Um, and uh, William and Whitney, this is you guys' opportunity to plug anything. Uh, I mean, I know you guys got a bunch of stuff, so feel free to. Uh, we do a lot of things. Uh, Whitney and I are the co-host of the Critically Acclaimed Network, which is a, a podcast feed with a lot of different shows. There's our flagship show, Critically Acclaimed, where we review new movies. Uh, there's Canceled Too Soon, where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. Uh, there's a mailbag episode called We've Got Mail. Uh, there's a show called Episode Zero, where we look at the prehistory of pop culture phenomena and look at all of the various films that inspired stuff like Star Wars or Rocky Horror Picture Show is what we're on right now. And of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where we have a lot of exclusive content, including a show called Holy Batman, uh, in which we review every single episode of the live action 1960s Batman. All Our Yesterdays, where we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek ever. Only the best, we're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture uh, at the Academy Awards. Not on Disney Plus, where we talk about stuff that is not on Disney Plus, but probably should be. We do commentary tracks uh, and other stuff as well. I'm very tired. <laughs> All the time. I'm very tired. <laughs> it, it is our loss yeah. to never stop yeah. working. But yeah, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I myself am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. There you go. All right. And like I said, thank you guys so much for, for doing this. This is, has been great. So much fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you so thank much for having you. us. Thank you. And uh, I will be back next time uh, with an episode where uh, Lenny shoots a music video. Oddly enough. Oh, yeah. oh we missed a good one. Uh, and tons of uh, Lenny songs in that one. So like I said, uh, check us out then. Until the next time, Ghost Rider out! Smell the cyber funk.